Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Get a Bible and bring your Bible to church. Uh, but if you have a Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the second gospel in the New Testament. You can turn there with me. We're going to start this morning in verse 13. And we are this morning uh, continuing in a series that we've been on called Hope and Anchor for the Soul. Hope and Anchor for the soul. And uh, this series is actually a part of a three-part collection of series that really frame in who we are and who we're becoming as a church. Uh, Our mission statement, uh, our vision is that we would be a people in a place where God's love is confirmed, hope is renewed, and faith comes to life. We we wanna be a people, we wanna be a place where every time we gather together, whether it's in a room like this or it's in a small group in someone's home, that, that the love of God would be overwhelming, that people would just know not only are they loved by a community, but they're loved by God, that there is a God and in a real way, he has careful concern for our life and because of his love, that there is hope. We're gonna talk about that today, but hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is an expectation of good, that there's hope no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, there's hope in the person of Jesus because of his finished work. It is cliche, but it is true that our best days are always yet to come. Someone said amen in the 9 a.m. Our, our best days are always yet to come. And, and we wanna be a people where, where hope is renewed, that no matter, where, no matter where someone is, that they would have their hope, their expectation of good that is to come, just come, come to another level and all of it, not because of our performance, not because of what we have or have not done, but because of faith, the faith and trust we put in Jesus' finished work. You know, the Bible says that these three things shall remain, uh, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And that's where we get kind of our mission statement as a church. And so we're in this collection of series called Three Essential Things, talking about the love of God, the hope we have in Jesus, and, and the faith that we have in him. And so we're in part two, week number three. I hope that's not confusing. Part two, week number three, in this uh, Three Essential Things collection of talks, talking about hope. I know I said it a minute ago, uh, but I'll just say it again for clarity. When we say hope, we're not talking about wishful thinking. Can, can you remember growing up and maybe it was your birthday or maybe it was Christmas time and you were hoping for a certain gift? Come on, anybody, do you remember hoping for something? My daughter, she's five years old. She'll be six um, on August 26th. My wife's looking at me like, you better remember your kid's birthday. August 26th. And um, man, her list of what she's hoping for is enormous. You guys need to start praying right now that she does not get disappointed because I assure you there will be some disappointment. Her list is so big. And it's all the things that wouldn't that be amazing. I hope this, I hope that. Uh, she recently, we were in the car and she goes, Dad, you know what would be cool for, for, for my birthday? Um, if we like bought a new house. Like, what five-year-old goes like, let's get a new house for my birthday. That's, that's not on the list. But hope is not wishful thinking. I hope, I, I mean, I just hope it'll work out. I'm really hoping God's gonna come through. You know, we, we, don't, we don't really know what to do, but we're rubbing our, uh, our lucky rabbit's foot. We're crossing our fingers, just hoping that that is not Bible hope, that you will find that nowhere in scripture. That, 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 that is a hope that our culture maybe holds, but Bible hope, it is an expectation of good that is founded in the word of God. We're, we're gonna talk about this a lot today, but God's word, it paints a picture in our heart of what God desires to do. And when we talk about God's word, let me just say this, this morning we, we're not primarily talking about black ink on a white page, Although everything God speaks is founded in this book, someone said amen. So, so we, we, we cannot go outside of this book. However, when we talk about receiving God's word, we're not just talking about memory verses. We're not just talking about passage of scripture. We're talking about the living, breathing, active word of God, the word within the word. 
That you, you, you read a passage and, and yes, you understand what it's saying, but the spirit of God breathes and speaks and gives you a word in your heart. I'll never forget when, when this whole COVID thing first started happening, um, I really wasn't concerned at all. And then out of nowhere, I became overwhelmed with fear and worry, not because of me, but because of my kids. And I, and I remember going to, to, to Psalm 91 and I was reading through Psalm 91, just all those passages. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shelter of the almighty. And I'm reading through Psalm 91. And while I knew, I already knew what it said, I wasn't carrying or living with a word from God from Psalm 91. And, and, and I spent time reading, meditating, thinking about, praying Psalm 91, and all of a sudden I got a word from God in my heart that framed a picture of an expectation of good that, oh no, we, we, we need not be worried or concerned or eaten up with fear and anxiety because God, God gave me a picture. He's with me, he's for me. And, and just like it says in his word, even though a thousand may fall at my right and 10,000 at my left, God, you've given me a picture of hope in my heart. It'll not come near me. It's like I could just see in my heart this covering over my family that no, God, God's got us. So when we say, the word of God paints a picture. Yes, it's scripture, but, but it's the living, breathing, active word of God that speaks and paints pictures in our heart of what God is saying to you. I, I, I'm less concerned this morning just what God is saying to me. I'm more concerned what is God saying to you? What is God's word for your life in this season? What is God's word for your family, for your marriage, for your business? What is God speaking to you in this season? Because God's word paints a picture. Like, like a master artist, it paints a picture of hope and expectation that we can see. And here's why I hope such a big deal. Pastor Gil talked about this last week. Because faith always proportions itself to hope. It, it, it makes sense in my heart this way. If you can see it, you can believe it. But see, the problem for so, for so many of us is that we don't, have, we don't have a picture painted in our heart. We can't see it. I mean, I, yeah, I, okay, sure, I know the Bible says by his stripes we are healed. And I'm not trying to be playful with that, but I just, honestly, Brandon, I just can't see it. Yeah, I, I know the Bible says that if I'll raise my kids in the ways of the Lord when they're old, they won't depart. But I'm gonna be honest with you, I just don't see it right now. Any, any parents like me, you're ready for your kids to go back to school. It's like, Lord, I just, I can't see it right now all the way. There's some chaos, but, but, but when we can't see it, we, we don't have the ability to really hold on to it and believe it in faith. And here's the problem with that. I know this is a very long introduction, but here's the problem with that. The, the entire kingdom of God operates by faith. Faith, as one old pastor said, is the currency of God's kingdom. Faith is the currency of God's kingdom. Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be, let it be done. The Bible says that all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus said, if you have faith even of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move and it'll be cast in the sea. Faith is the currency of God's kingdom. And in addition to that, faith is what gives you the ability to walk in the ways of God. If, if you don't believe it, you're not gonna live it. And here's what happens for so many people. They don't really have the faith to hold on to and receive. What does the Bible say in Hebrews? That all of God's promises are received through faith and patience. In other words, you, you gotta believe it and hold on to it, but you have to hold it onto it uh, for, for the long haul. It's faith and patience. For so many people, they don't have the ability to hold on to the, the, the word of God, the promises of God, and, and to do so with endurance. And they don't have the ability to live in and walk in the ways of Jesus because they just don't believe it. And so what we revert to is wishful thinking and a self-ruled life. What does Proverbs 14, 12 say? There's a way that seems right to a man. No, I've, 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 Brandon, I went to school. I've done all my research. I talked to 14 of my friends. I put a post on Facebook and I got a lot of likes and comments and I've done a lot of studying. It seems like it is, I was, there's, a, there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end road is destruction. And if, if we don't have hope 
this picture that God paints in our heart of, of the future, the, the thing that God has, has promised, his purpose, his plan, if we don't have hope, we, we lose our ability to, to believe and we lose our ability to, to walk in his ways. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, where, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no hope, a picture in someone's heart, they cast off restraint. Oh, we, we need hope. We, we need to get our hope up. We need, we need the word of God to paint a picture in our heart that allows us to see what God desires for our life to believe it and to walk in his ways so we can receive everything that God has for us. I ask you to open up with, to me, with me to Mark chapter four, verse 13. And that's where we're gonna read verses 13 through 20 this morning. And uh, we, we're gonna talk this morning about how do we guard, how do we protect that picture? Uh, let's just say for uh, sake of this morning that God speaks to you. God gives you a word. You, you have vision for your life. You know what God wants to do. You can see what God wants to do. But how do you guard that? How do you protect that? How do you hold on to that for the long haul? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 13, starting there, reading through verse 20. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, it's not a big deal. All the words will be up on the screen. But it says this. Jesus is speaking. And it says that, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Pause for a moment. Jesus told a parable earlier in Mark chapter four. It's in the very beginning of that chapter. And, and he tells this parable about a man that goes out and is, and is scattering seed. He's got a bucket of seed and he's scattering seed. And, and the seed finds four different soil types. And his disciples come back and they go, hey, amazing sermon. Oh, so good. Could you tell us what that means? Have you ever heard a sermon like that before? It's like, whoa, I just, whoa, I, I was in tears. It moved me. And someone goes, what did they talk about? And you're like, I don't know, to be honest. It was just really good. It really moved me. They, they go, hey, can, can you explain this? What, what are you talking about? And, and I want you to notice what he says. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, the reason I think it's a big deal we, we point that out is because what Jesus is about to show us according to him, if we don't understand, we're gonna struggle to understand or, or take hold of everything else in his kingdom. According to him, he goes, this is foundational. Well, hold up, guys. You, you didn't get that? Okay, come here. Because if you guys don't understand this, if you don't get this, how then will you be able to grasp anything else in my kingdom? And I wanna point that out because today what we're looking at is incredibly foundational and incredibly uh, fundamental for us. So verse 14, he goes on, he says this. Okay, I'm gonna explain it to you. The sower sows the word. Someone say the word. The sower sows the word. These are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. He takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises, listen, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word of God, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, the title of the sermon, which by the way, is in the workbook. I, I failed to mention the workbook, but if you have one of the workbooks we provide, it's in the workbook. Uh, the title of today's sermon is simply this, Guarding Hope, Guarding Hope. And, and again, what we are talking about is not only uh, receiving this, this, this word that paints a picture of the expectation we are to have of what God wants to do, but how do we guard that? How, how, how do we protect that? 
You might say, Brandon, why, why is it a big deal that we talk about guarding hope? Well, I'll tell you why. Because as, as believers, one of the things that we are vulnerable to is, uh, how do I say, a hot and cold relationship with God's promises. Have you ever met someone, someone before that's just hot and cold? Like one day they're, they're just on top of the world and the next day you don't wanna be around them and they're, just, they're hot and cold. Have you ever met someone that is incredibly passionate about things, but they're incredibly passionate about different things based on the day of the week? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, if, if you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, this person is me. Um, my, my wife will tell you that I, uh, I have lots of hobbies that I'm incredibly passionate about for like 15 minutes. And then the wind will blow and something will change. And I'm like, you know what? That was really cool, but I think I'm going to. And, and as, as believers, sometimes we have a similar relationship to what God has spoken to us. We can be all about, no, I'm standing on, I'm believing, this is what God has given to me. And then you, you change the season, circumstance, situation, maybe it's just something going on on the inside. The season changes and, and what you once were convinced, no, God promised and God will. Now you're like, I don't know. I mean, like, it's, I'm... Um, and and, and we're, we're hot hot and cold. And I don't think that's just a personality trait. I, I think that's something that is a tactic of the enemy. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, 11, I believe it is, that we should not be unaware of his tactics, lest he take advantage of us. I, I talk a lot about my son, Graham, uh, because I love him so much. And he is such a, a, uh, a well right now of sermon illustrations. Um, as a four-year-old, but like, I, I, I know what he's about. He wants to fight and he wants to wrestle all the time. And so anytime he comes running in my room to jump in our bed, anytime he comes running towards me, like I, my body gets tense and I'm, I'm guarding and I'm, I'm preparing because he's, he's coming in hot with fists and kicks and he's, he's a wild man. The Bible goes, you, you need to not be unaware of the enemy's tactics lest you get taken advantage of. The Bible says this in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Did you know that in the same way that we serve a real God who is active and present in our life, that in the same way that we serve a real God who desires good for us, in the same way that we serve a real God who is active and present in our life, who desires good and who has a purpose and a plan, that there is a real enemy, that there is a real devil, and he desires in the same way to be active and present in our life, yet he does not have plans for good and he does not seek to prosper us. But the Bible says his only desire, John 10, 10, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to destroy our life today. He wants to destroy our life tomorrow. He wants to destroy our life eternally. He only has one purpose and it is mass destruction. And what I'd like to, to propose to you this morning is that in John 10, 10, we actually see a strategy of his. His end goal is to destroy, to steal, kill, and destroy. But if we reverse engineer it, steal, kill, and destroy, I think the way he destroys our life is he kills, he eliminates, he, 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 he begins to erode the hope and the faith we have in the promises and in the word of God. Now, why, why would that be a tactic? Well, we, we, we touched on it in my very lengthy introduction this morning, that hope is what, is what gives us faith. That the hope, that picture that God paints in our heart of his purpose, his plan, that's what gives us the ability to hold on and believe and walk in his ways. You take away hope you get rid of that picture, and we, we mentioned this, and what we end up with is a lack of faith or trust or confidence in, in what he said, and we end up with a self-ruled, self-governed life. Again, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is it's destruction. And, and I'd like to propose to you for the rest of our, our time today that the way he steals 
the, the, the way he kills, the way he gets rid of that hope is by stealing, by stealing the word of God from our hearts. I, I believe his, his tactic is to steal God's word from our heart, to get us out of God's word and God's word out of us, thus, thus killing, eliminating our ability to have hope and see, see what God wants to do and hold on to it and believe him and walk in his ways and thus destroying the life God ha has intended. You know that all, all through the Bible, one of the things predominantly that you will see is that the enemy is doing everything he can to get the word of God out of God's people's heart. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's in the workbook. Point number one or thought number one today is simply this, that God's word in our heart is the key to guarding hope. Brandon, how is it that I guard and protect hope? God's word is the key to guarding and protecting hope that is in our heart. Mark chapter four, verse 14 through 15, what we see in this parable that, that Jesus gives to us is that for both God and for the enemy, the word in our heart, now pause, remember we're not talking about just memory verses. We're not just talking about like Bible verses that you got in Sunday school and things that, that, you, that you know because you memorized them once a long time ago. We're, we're talking about that active, that word in your heart that you know. This, this is what God's saying right now. This is what God's speaking to me. And I just, this is the word that God has for me in this season. Hey, this is what I'm walking through right now. And this is the circumstance and the situation. And as I've been praying, I believe God gave me this word, this picture of hope for what he's gonna do in this circumstance right here. That's what we're talking about. And if you'll go to Mark 4, uh, 14 and 15, let's read it one more time. Jesus, in the very beginning, he says, the sower sows the word. God's, God's strategy, God's tactic is God is always speaking. It is cliche, I know, but, but I've heard it for, for my whole life. God is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? God, God is never at a lack of words. And I don't mean just words for words. I mean, God's never at a lack of what he wants to speak to us, what, what he wants to show us, what he wants to, to, to reveal to us and what he wants to give us for our, for, for our life, for our future, for our family. The Bible goes, God's strategy it's always to sow the word. God is always speaking. And in verse 15, here's what we see. It says, and these are the ones by the wayside. When the word is sown, listen, when they hear, Satan comes immediately. We see in the first two, two three verses that for both God and the enemy, the word of God in our heart is of paramount concern. Mark 4 shows us this, that if God's word is in our heart, it establishes hope, it builds faith, and it leads to a life that God has purposed and promised. When you have God's word in your heart and get a revelation, it paints a picture, an expectation of good. And when you have this picture in your heart of what God has purposed and what God has promised, it builds faith and confidence that allows you to walk in and live in his ways. God's word in our heart is paramount to, to guarding hope. However, in contrast, the, the absence of God's word in our heart, it erodes hope, it diminishes faith, and it leads to a self-ruled, self-governed life. Without God's word, we lose sight of what God has promised. We stop believing and we stop living in and obeying his word, his ways. This leads to a life that little by little is robbed of the blessing, the joy, and the life, the peace of God that God has promised. When we talk about guarding hope, we have to remember that the, 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 the foundation, it is getting God's word in our heart. This is why throughout the Bible, we, we have instruction of not just receiving, but keeping God's word stirred up. Go with me and look at this. First Timothy chapter one, verse 18. Look at what the apostle Paul says to his young, young, young son in the faith. First Timothy chapter one, verse 18, he says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. He, he in his first letter to his young, young son, Timothy in the faith, he goes, Timothy, I just wanna remind you 
You, you have some words that God's given you. I just wanna remind you, Timothy, there's some prophecies. There's some words that God has given you that have framed in the future, the, the purpose, the plan that God has in front of you. Don't lose sight of those. In fact, what he says is remember, they're like weapons in your hand. And according to these, you will wage the good warfare. Second Timothy chapter one, verse six, he, he says again, therefore I remind you to stir up Someone say stir up, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Again, he comes to Timothy and says, Timothy, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you. I'm charging you. Don't forget. In fact, you need to stir up that gift, that thing that was deposited in you, that thing that was, that, that was given to you. Remember when I laid my hands on you? Remember when we were praying for you? Remember when you were in those moments and God began to speak? He says, stir it up. Don't you let that thing grow cold. Don't, don't you grow callous to it. Don't you forget about it. Stir up the gift of God, the word of God, which is in you, which was given to you through the laying on of my hand. Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. We are to set our mind and set our thinking not on just earthly things, but to put our thinking intentionally on the God things. Romans 8, 5 says this, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, the key to walking in the spirit or walking in what God has for you, it is setting your mind setting your thinking, renewing your mind to what has God said. And because, because God's word is so paramount in our heart, number two, you can write this down or it's in the workbook this morning, but you, you can jot this down, that the enemy tries to do everything he can to steal hope by taking, twisting, I'm sorry, testing and twisting God's word. The enemy tries to steal hope by taking testing and twisting God's word. I think that's part of that 2 Corinthians 2.11 where the Bible goes, hey, don't be unaware of, of, of the enemy's tactics lest you get taken advantage of. Do you know one of his tactics? We read it in Mark chapter four, verse 15, that when the word of God comes, his tactic is to come immediately, to come immediately. He doesn't wait till next week. He doesn't take weekends off. Hey, I'll get to you on Monday. He, he's not on vacation. He comes immediately for the purpose of getting that word out of your heart. I love Mark chapter four because Mark chapter four, it gives us four different examples. And by the way, um, kind of encouraging, maybe not encouraging, uh, only one is a good example. Like, like we don't have, you know, here's three examples of like a really good way to do it. And here's one example. You no, know, he gives us three examples of how the enemy takes that word from our heart and, and thus leaving us unfruitful in what God has purpose and plan. And he gives us one example of the person who, who got it right. And I wanna go through, for, for time's sake, we'll, we'll try to be expedient, but I wanna go through each of these and just point out what he does. Mark chapter four, verse 15, let's go there first. It says this, and these are the ones by the wayside by the way, so I think about in my mind like a neighborhood and you have that beautiful yard of grass. It's not my house right now, but in Jesus' name, things are gonna get better. God, I need a picture in my heart of hope for a green yard and not one that is patchy. Um, but, 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 but I picture like my neighbor across the street, he's got a beautiful yard. And I picture like there's his beautiful grass and then there's our, 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 our street, just the, just the concrete. So these are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. When, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. These are the ones sown by the wayside. These are the ones he's sowing seed, but this seed didn't get in, in, in good ground. It's by the wayside on the pavement. And I think for, for this illustrates that the person who maybe is among us this morning, maybe not, but the person who, when, when you hear God's word, you're present, but you're not really here. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're here, but, you, but you're not fully present. You're listening, but you're not really listening for 
receptivity. Uh, when my wife and I were, were doing youth, mini, youth ministry for, for, for so many years, these are all the kids that I'm here because my mom made me come. Bro, I'm so glad to have you here tonight. My mom made me come. That's amazing. I'm glad your mom made you come. We're, we're, but it's, it's that kind of an attitude, that kind of a heart that I'm here, I'm present, but, but I'm not really listening. I'm not really receiving. You, you know, it, it's not just apathy or a lack of desire, but sometimes life does this to us, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I know people that throughout the years, life has just beat them up. I, I know people that circumstance, situation, sometimes it's inside of the church, just that they've just got beat up by church, beat up by, by religion, beat up by life. And, and what happens is their heart has grown so cold and so callous in certain areas that they can be sitting, listening to a sermon, listening to what I would say is good teaching and preaching, and they're just sitting there making memes up in, in their mind. This is so dumb. Psh, yeah, right. I, I don't believe that. And, and rather than receiving, their hard heart is just bouncing that seed back into a place where it's not gonna take, take any root. And wh whether it's apathy whether it's something that has hurt us, that has caused our heart to be hardened, the Bible goes, there's one person, yeah, they're here, but they're not really here. They're present, but they're not really present. And, and the word is being sown, yet all of it is falling on hard pavement and no fruitfulness comes from it. The Bible says this, he goes on, Mark chapter four, verse 16 through 17, and says this, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. However, they have no root in themselves. And so they only endure for a time. Afterwards, listen, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. You, you don't think the enemy is try, trying to get God's word out of your heart? You don't think the enemy is trying to get you out of God's word and God's word out of you. The Bible goes, when persecution or tribulation arises for the word's sake, the enemy is using this and he's, he, he's twisting it, trying to get you out of God's word and God's word out of you. When it arises for tribulation or persecution's sake, immediately they stumble. This is the person that genuinely, they love Jesus. Genuinely, they want to walk in his ways, but genuinely, they're just not mature. And genuinely, it's not that they don't love Jesus, it's just that they haven't been willing to say, no, God, I want to grow. Did you know that growth in any area is never an easy task? That growth in any area is never something that, that does not come without a certain level of pain or resistance or dare we say suffering. What does the Bible say of Jesus? That Jesus, he learned obedience, come on Bible scholars, through the things which he suffered. Oh, I don't, I don't like that. Oh, oh, oh no, I, I reject that. My Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror. I will not, and, and so we, we reject things that God's actually trying to use and, and, and we don't grow. The Bible says that there's one that, because they haven't been willing to suffer, they, they haven't been, been willing to have moments in their life where they go, oh, man, I know what the Bible says. And if I make this decision, it may cost me. They're not willing to do that. They're not willing to have conversations and, and, and draw lines that may put them in awkward situations. They're not willing to say no to things their flesh really wants to say yes to. We're, we're, we're right now with uh, one of our kids, we're, we're having a continual conversation that, 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 that getting older or, or growing up is not just a matter of age. It says, sweetie, there's a lot of people that are, that are much older than me that are still children. Growing up is not merely a matter of age. Growing up is learning that when there's something that I want to do, but it's not what Jesus asked me to do, I do what he asked me to do, not what I want to do. If there's things that when I, I, yeah, but I really want to do this, but I know it's not good for me. I know it's not productive. And so I'm gonna choose. It's part of maturity. The Bible goes, there, there's this other group of people that they, they don't have maturity. 
They haven't been willing to say, no, whatever it costs me, I want to follow Jesus. I wanna grow. I wanna take, take steps forward. And so what happens is they hear the word and they immediately go to Instagram. What a fire sermon this morning. Oh, life-changing. Like, don't you love hashtags that you're like, that's not true, actually. Greatest experience ever. Uh, sounds a little dramatic, really the greatest experience ever. And, and they, they go to Instagram, they take, here at church, you know, great, greatest sermon, whatever it may be. And, and then the Bible goes, then difficulty happens. Then, then resistance happened, tribulation, trial. And immediately they go, I'm not willing to. And, and so, so they, they sidestep and the Bible goes, and just like that, the, the, the word of God becomes unfruitful. There's a third group, and I think this maybe is one of the most relevant for you and I living in 2022 in the part of the country that we live in where we are blessed beyond measure. We, we have, we might not have everything we want, but let's be, let, let's be honest, it's because the list of things we want is, is exorbitant. We have everything we need. We are so blessed. We are so fortunate. We live such comfortable, convenient cushy lives, can I say? And, and this one I, th I think may maybe is, is the, the most relevant to us. Mark 4, 18 through 19 says, and these are the ones so sown, by the, sown among thorns, uh, that when they hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and just the desire for other things, entering in, choke the word of God out. Man, do we, do, do, do we have convenience? And, and, and man, do we have comfort? Man, do we have options in the world that we live in today? Man, we, we, have, we have, some of us, we have time, we have money, we have options. We have so many things that are in front of us like a buffet of what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do with, with my time? And it's not that any of that's bad. However, the Bible says this, that what happens is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the deceptiveness that money is everything, or even that money is the main thing, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter into our heart and it chokes the word out. The word of God is such a primary thing that, 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 that not only builds and grows and gives us the ability to have hope and faith and walk in his ways, but it's, it's, it's essential. And thus the enemy does everything he can to test and tempt and to twist God's word to get it out of our heart. You, you know what I've learned over my very short life thus far? Um, that the, the, the enemy knows what card to play, doesn't he? Like, come on, let, let's be honest. The, the enemy, he, he knows you and I sometimes as well as we know ourselves. And he knows what card to play with you. Can, can I ask you this morning, just, just for sake of conversation, what card is he currently trying to use for you? As, as you're, you're maybe even sitting down in the morning, spending time doing your thir uh, 30 minutes of Bible reading, what card is he using? Is it the card of just apathy, of just, yeah, I, I heard it, I, I got it, check the box, I'm, I'm moving on? Is, is it the card of just, I don't know, life is difficult and life is not always easy and just makes me wanna, and, and that, that maturity needs to come? Is it the card of you just have so much comfort and convenient and you are so blessed that the desire for other things, the deceptiveness of riches, the cares of this world, what card is he currently trying to use? Can I tell you, whatever card it is, you and I, we must re realize there is a priority for guarding hope. The way that we guard hope, number three, you can write this down and we, we will close here momentarily. But number three, you can write this down, that hope, it is secured or we guard hope when we hear, receive and obey God's word. We hear, we receive and we obey God's word. Word. One of the other things that we're talking to our, our kids about right now, not that the entire sermon is about my parenting or lack thereof, um, but, 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 but is, hey, what, what's the most important is that you do what mommy and daddy are telling you to do. Well, well yeah, I, I know, but no, 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 hold on, stop. It, it's not that we don't love you. 
And it's not that we don't, we, we don't wanna hear, but what's more important than, than what you wanted to do, what's more important than what someone else did, what, what's the most important is, are you doing what mommy and daddy asked you to do? Can, can I tell you that, that there's much parallel when it comes to our relationship with God? We have a laundry list of excuses and reasons and rationalizations why we are not. But at the end of the day, are you doing what your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is asking you to do? Is your life being ruled and governed by these words, by these ways? Or, or have we crept into what the Bible says will happen in the last days where we will have a form of godliness? We look the part. We, we know the right outfits to wear on Christmas Eve and Easter Sunday. We look the part, but we've denied the actual power, the life-transforming power of God's kingdom. The Bible says, just beware in the last days, many people will have a form of godliness, but they will have denied all of his power. Mark chapter four, verse 20, we'll end right here. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. These are the ones sown on good ground. I pray this morning in Jesus' name that your heart becomes good ground. I pray in Jesus' name that your heart and your life becomes good ground for God's word to take root and to grow and mature. But these are the ones sown on good ground who when they hear, those who hear the word of God, they accept it. End of story. In that word accept, what you can gather from the definition is they receive it and they do it. The Bible says in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew chapter seven. Don't quote me, Google me. Um, but Matthew chapter seven, it says that, I'll, I'll tell you the one who, who builds a, th their life on a sure foundation. It's the one who comes to me, who hears my words and says, yes, Lord. And he puts them into practice. Do you know that Jesus actually said that not blessed are those who hear God's word. Blessed are those who do God's word. Man, that, that is such a relevant thought for you and I today in 2022 American culture, Christianity, where we have been duped into thinking all of the blessing, it comes from just being here and hearing. Oh man, our family, I'm just, I'm pumped, honestly, Bob. We've been going to this new church and I just, I just know God's blessing is gonna be on our family because we've been there, well, not every Sunday. I mean, we like 75% of the time, and we, but we're in church though. Because that's not where the blessing comes from. The blessing does not come in just hearing. It's, it's not in being around the word. Jesus goes, blessed are those who, who they put into practice the things that I'm asking them to. Remember, all through the life and ministry of Jesus, the, the example that we, that we have is not, hey, come to my, to, my, to my seminars. Hey, you wanna follow me? Make sure you just carve out space once a week and you come to my seminars. They're gonna be over here at the Sea of Galilee. There may be food provided, haven't decided yet, but it's gonna be awesome. You should be there. The ministry of Jesus is, oh, you wanna follow me? Awesome. Um, die to yourself, deny yourself, and come follow me. And it's an actual picture of following. Wherever you go, whatever you say, whatever you're asking me to do, I'm, you, you are not just savior, you are the Lord of my life. Mark 4.20 says, blessed are those, or, or fruitful is the word for those who they come, they hear it, they accept it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I hear what you're saying. I receive it. You, you know, what comes to mind is, is the Christmas story. Maybe it's because my, my son, again, I know, more sermon illustrations, but he, he got for his birthday. I don't even know why he got this for his birthday. His birthday was July 15th. We, 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 we just celebrated it last night um, with my family. And, and he got uh, stuffed animals, the Grinch, um, Cindy Lou Who, and what's the dog's name? And Max, Max. He got these three stuffed animals. So may, maybe that's why he's carrying around this morning one of the kids' teachers, they go, oh, Christmas in July, huh? And I may, maybe that's what, what provoked it, but, but it makes me think of the Christmas story. Here's this young Jewish girl, really kind of a nobody from nowhere, if you will. And, and God shows up, God shows up. And God all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God speaks to her. Behold, Mary, you, you, you're gonna be with child. And God speaks this, this incredible, 
unbelievable word. I'm not even married. I'm going to have a baby. And not only is he, I'm going to have a baby without making a baby, but he's, he's going to be the, the son of God. And he's, he's going to actually be the fulfillment of every prophecy that, 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 that there is. And he's going to be the savior of all. What? You know what Mary does? Mary, at the end of Luke chapter two, here's what she says. Let it be, Lord, according to your word. Done deal. This is actually in the passage where, where, where we get that with God, all things are possible to him who believes. Here's Mary. Man, it seems impossible. seems crazy. seems like, are you kidding me right now? But she receives God's word. It says, let it be according to your word. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you received God's word? Have you received his word? I don't mean have you received a Bible verse. Have you received the word of the Lord for your life? What is God saying to you right now? What is God saying to you in this season? What, 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 what circumstance, what situation are you walking through? And in the natural, you can't even see how it's going to work out. But God has given you hope, a picture framed in by his word of an expectation of good that is to come. Do you have a word in your heart? Are you living with a word in your belly and are you guarding it? Are you meditating on it? Are you taking time to speak it over your life and speak it over your family? Are we, are we taking heed according to God's word? Brandon, I, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. Right? I want to give you something this morning. And I'm, I hesitated even doing it because this morning I got here and I'm like, that's really cheesy, Brandon. That's kind of silly. I don't know if you should, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. So don't you judge me if it's too cheesy, okay? Um, but as, as, as I was put, putting the notes together, I, I just had this little kind of image in, in my mind, like of a little toolbox. Like how, how do you actually get going? So I want to give you this morning, it's so cheesy, I know, uh, Pastor Brandon's toolbox. Don't, don't judge me. Um, but but three, three things, that th these are not legalistic. These are not things that you're going to find necessarily in this sequential order in scripture, but things that I know for me and for a lot of people that I look up to and follow have made all the difference in, in keeping God's word. Let me just give you three thoughts. Number one is give God 30 minutes each day. You got more than 30 minutes, praise the Lord. But give God 30 minutes each day. Um, li listen to, to one sermon every day. Just, just, just make it a habit, make it a routine. I'm, I'm gonna continually be listening to God's word and make a daily confession of God's promises. Give God 30 minutes each day. I, I kind of broke it down like this just for simplicity's sake. And again, this is just my, my thoughts, but take 10 minutes and read scripture. Take five minutes and, and meditate or think about that scripture that really stuck out to you. Take 10 minutes and write it down. God, okay, this, this is what stuck out to me. John 3, 17. And here's, and, and actually journal, write out what is God speaking to you? Take pen to paper and put down what is God speaking to your life? And then take five minutes and just respond. Did you know, by the way, this is why we've been doing response at the end of the service? Because we're trying to, to, to get this muscle going that we don't just hear God's word and go, huh, good thought. All right, time for lunch. But we, we, we're learning to hear God's word and go, all right, God, I hear you and I'm responding to you in worship. I'm responding to you in prayer. I'm responding to you in praise, thanking you for what you're speaking to me. What would happen if you just took 30 minutes every day? So God, I, I don't have three hours like, you know, some, some Bible elite person that maybe there is, but I got 30 minutes, God. And I can take 10 minutes just to read a chapter. I can take five minutes to sit and to think about what it is you're speaking to me. I could take 10 minutes and just, just, just write down, God, this is what I feel like you're speaking to me. This is what, what I, I feel like you're saying. I can take five minutes to respond. Did you know that God knows where you are this morning? That he really does? That God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're walking through. He knows exactly the circumstance, the situation that you're facing. And he's, he desires through his word to speak to you real time. 
He desires to give you wisdom. He desires to give you direction. He desires to give you words that will paint pictures of hope for your future. Take, take, take 30 minutes every day. Make it a habit to, to listen to one sermon. Just, just listen to one sermon a day. I put this on the screen. Listen to one sermon per, per day. Um, you could listen in the car. You, you could do it doing dishes or laundry. You could do it when you're taking a walk or working out. You could do it just sitting down, enjoying a cup of tea at the end of the day. But just make it a habit. God, I'm going to get your word just in my ears, in, in my heart. I think one of the reasons God gives you spouses is, is to call you on your stuff when, when, when it's not legit. And I was, I was complaining to my wife at one point with our multitude of children. I feel like I don't have any time to pray, any time to just, and she goes, I love it. In typical woman of God, wife fashion, she goes, well, what are you doing on the way to work? What do you mean? You have a 20 minute drive. How is it possible you have no time when that's, that's 40 minutes every day? And can I tell you, it just never dawned on me to go, hey, I have this sacred space in my vehicle that I can drive to work and I can pray. I can listen to God's word. I can, just, however you gotta do it, just go, I'm, I'm gonna start listening to sermons and I'm gonna start getting God's word in my heart. And then no, no, number, number three, uh, make a five minute confession of what God has promised. Write down what God has spoken to you, what he's asked you to do and what he's promised to do. And take five minutes at least once a day and rehearse that to the point of memorization and and that God for it. That's a typo. Let's X that out. Rehearse to the, to, to the point of memorization. Take five minutes and go, God, I, I'm, I'm just rehearsing. You, you've made me these promises. And according to your word, I thank you that you said this. God, I thank you right now that even though it doesn't look like it's possible, your word says by your stripes that we are healed. So God, I'm speaking over my loved one right now and I'm thanking you that God, they're healed. And, and it's, it's the power of writing down what God is saying, meditating on it, memorizing it, guarding it in your heart and then using the power of your words to, to speak it, to confess it, to, to, to even wash yourself with, with the rehearsing of it. I'm telling you, there's power in it. And something as simple as going, God, I'm gonna give you 30 minutes every day. I'm gonna listen to a sermon on my way to work and sit instead of sports radio. And I'm gonna take five minutes on my lunch break and I'm gonna read this little index card I wrote. Could, could make all the difference in carding. Maybe, maybe even for the first time hearing God's voice, but guarding God's word in your heart. So what is it God speaking to you? What, what is it today that God has declared over your life that you can take hold of and say, God, I want to guard this. I want to guard this picture you've given me for my family. I want to guard this picture you've given me for my life. And I want to hold on to it so that I can believe and walk in. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.